Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Mega Fight Week Reaction Show. It sounds very strange calling it the Mega Fight Week Reaction Show because it was a Mega Fight Weekend and I'm excited to talk to you about it, Johnston. We've had limited conversations about it over the weekend, so it's great to kind of go, you know, quite raw reactions really, like no pre-sort of conversations about what's happened over the weekend and what our thoughts are and it's always good when we come together and talk about things and sort of give our opinions on what we think happened over the weekend or incidents that occurred, fights that went down, how we saw them and with plenty of things to be talking about in this episode and where do we start? I mean, where do you want to start, Johnston? Handing this to you, where do you want to start with this weekend just gone? Yeah, look, it's, it was a mega week. It was, there was loads of fights. Um, where do we start? I, I suppose uh, the one thing is, there, there, for me, there was no shock. So everything went ha- as it should have gone, really. Um, apart from Caleb Plant's knockout, which we were going to, that was quite a surprise. I wasn't expecting to knock him out so emphatically. But I suppose talking about knockouts, I suppose we better just go straight on with Deontay Wilder. You know, the the big brown, brown, uh, bronze bomber is back. Um and and yeah, I mean, it went pretty much how we thought, didn't it? Well, you said it wouldn't be surprised, and I quote <laughs> you, seconds. it wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he knocks him out within 30 seconds. He took two minutes and 57 seconds of the first <laughs> round to do it. But the premise of what you were saying was absolutely right and spot on in the sense that you could see it happening really, really quickly. And it did, and it didn't look like... Hellenius, it looked like a deer in the headlights a little bit. And I think in the aftermath of seeing these two guys together, I've seen some nice, humble 
humility videos of, of Deontay Wilder and he was crying at the post-fight press conference wanting to make sure Hellenius was okay and then there's a video of them actually meeting up and having a hug afterwards and talking and you know I know they were former sparring partners so there's obviously a friendship that's been built off the back of them spending time in the ring together behind closed doors and obviously for Hellenius this was an opportunity to essentially resurrect his career at 38 and, and try and cause a little bit of an upset here and, and maybe the wins over Kwanaki, you know, give us a little bit of, well, in my mind, give me a little bit more hope that he actually might provide us with a more competitive fight and it just didn't happen and Wilder, all it took was them, them moments where he was just able to unload and he did and when he unloaded, Hellenius, that was it, it was over, like, as quick as that and just goes to show you, like, surely Deontay Wilder, regardless of the quality of opposition you think about he's had over the years, he's got to go down as one of the hardest-hitting heavyweights. I mean, Ernie Shavers is generally considered the hardest-hitting heavyweight of all time, but surely when it's all said and done with Wilder's career, he's got to be in with an argument for that spot. Yeah, I mean, look, one-punch knockout, you can't argue with it, can you? It, it was one of them fights. I mean, it was good business by his team. I said it uh, on our last show, uh, you know... It, in terms of the the way this victory is going to end up for him, as people are going to now say, "Oh wow, look at this! He's a a great fighter." It was it was just perfectly made. It was it was. I've got to give the utmost respect to his team for getting Hellenius because he was an a credible opponent. Unfortunately, you know, looking at historically looking at his fights, he was always going to be in a bit of trouble because of the way he stands, because of how tall he is, and where. Wilder throws them right hands and he was he was susceptible to them and you know it was a matter of time it was always going to be a matter of time for me and I did feel that once one lands I think that's it and it was I think it coming three shots in the end but he waited you know he's patient and then I think for Hellenius as well I think he went into it thinking he could actually do something looking sort of judging Wilder on Fury's last uh, the, the fights he had with Fury he probably felt that maybe he is a little bit lack, lacking some sort of confidence and I could put it on, on him and, and I'm much more confident. In actual fact, that probably worked against him because if he was a little bit more weary of that right hand, maybe he wouldn't have sort of gone as close to him as he had of and, and ended up getting now by it and literally rendered unconscious on the floor, which it was always going to happen, Sean. I could see it. I could almost see the premier. I could see him laying down there on the deck, not knowing where the bloody hell he is. And it's just a great bit of business because it makes Deontay Wilder relevant. It gives him a little bit more confidence. But I still feel that people shouldn't get too carried away with it because I do feel that there are fighters out there that can ride those shots like Fury did. Not many, but there are a few that can. And I think one of the one things that come out of this, a lot of people saying, well, if he fights Joe Joyce, he's going to knock Joyce out. I'm telling you that. Joyce has got probably the best chin in the business. And Wilder's got one of the best right hands. Has Joyce got a tougher chin than Tyson Fury? Well, we'll have to see what happens in the future. Well, he's not called out Joe Joyce for the fight. He's called out Usyk. He's no, called he out Andy Ruiz Jr. No mention, no mention of Joshua there. I noticed in the in the post fight yep. interviews and press conferences. I noticed he wasn't really interested in that fight. So essentially, he is looking to chase the bigger fights. And we said when Ruiz beat Ortiz uh, around a month or so ago that that would be an ideal fight. It was like a semi final being set up for a final. The fact that Ruiz yep. beat Ortiz and now Wilder beats Hellenius to me that'd be the logical fight to take place uh, going straight for Usyk is probably not going to happen because I do think for all the shit Fury talks eventually that's the fight that they're going to want to have before he is all said and done and 
you know, I think that that would be ideal for next year. You see, if you see Fury and Usyk, and then you see Ruiz and Wilder, and the winner of them two then face off again in another mega showdown, I think it'd be fantastic. I mean, it doesn't always work like that. Of course, it doesn't. No. But in my mind, that's that's how I'd like to see it go down. And where does Joshua fit into the equation? Well, I just don't know yet. Where does Joe Joyce fit into the equation? Again, we just don't know. He's mandatory for the WBO title, so there's a chance that he might fight Usyk ahead of a mega fight happening following that we just don't know how the landscape and the politics are going to play a factor in this but for Deontay Wilder summing up that performance well what can you say it was an anticipated event and it happened and it just keeps him relevant within the heavyweight division certainly solidifies the fact that he is probably the hardest puncher in the heavyweight division and that people need to be wary of that right hand no matter who they are and it'll be interesting if he ever fights Joe Joyce, like you say, the chin versus the right hand. It's certainly something that I think a few fans would like to see how the outcome would come out of it. But it's uh, it's very interesting. It's very good in a way to see him a bit more humble as well after the facts. And Robert Hellenius has pretty much said, that's it, me, I'm done. 25 years in boxing, I'm done and dusted and... I don't blame him now. I think what else is there for him to do? You know, he's, he's got off the back end of a, a a horrible defeat, really, and there's nothing else he wants to try and achieve at the age of 38 in the sport, so he said he's going to call it a day. I don't think there's been an official statement, but I did see in the video with Wilder that he said, that's it, I'm done now, 25 years in the game. So I'm assuming by that, that that's him done and dusted and, you know, fair play to him. You know, he's been a good servant in the heavyweight division. He's given some interesting fights. I wouldn't say exciting all the time, but I think his, uh, his big moments came against the highly rated prospect in Kwanaki quite recently. So I suppose a, a big thanks to him for being a servant of the sport and for Wilder. It's all about looking forward to next year and, and what happens with him, really, and who he goes up against. So, just finishing off the Wilder conversation, then passing it to you, Johnston. You're talking about Usyk next year, you're talking about Ruiz next year. How do you see things playing out, or how do you want to see things play out? I think Ruiz is the genuine best fight for him. I think he's, he's I'm sure his team will be looking at that and saying that, you know, it's a big fight in America. It's a big fight for the heavyweight game. Two guys that have fought for world titles already. Won't be no world title on the line, but it will be an eliminator. And it's a good fight for Wilder. It's a fight where, you know, it's, he's not going to have it easy. This one is definitely not going to be easy because Ruiz has got a big, like he's, he's got a big punch. And he's also got a decent chin as well. So that will be interesting. Um, whether Ruiz is capable enough to keep away from it. I don't think he will. I, I think eventually, once again, it will land, but he may take him into the second half of the fight. But, you know, we'll, we'll leave that for another day. But then, you know, with what, Fury's fighting Jazora now, is it, is it definitely, is it happening? I think it is, isn't it, in December? I'm, I'm seeing like it. murmurs. It does look like it. So if Fury fights in December, what well, he's not going to be out until sort of, the, the first sort of end of the first quarter of the year. So probably sort of April time, you'll see Tyson Fury in the ring. Um, Usyk said he would be back for February, interestingly. So whether he would hold out for another couple of months to get that fight with Tyson Fury, we'll have to see. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Usyk Joyce in the ring together for that WBO title to get that mandatory out of the way which then leaves Tyson Fury open for options where he may then decide to fight the winner of um, Ruiz and, and Wilder. But the way the dates are going at the minute, it's a bit tricky to pick that up. I think if there was a fight to be made on the on the side of all this, it would be Dillian White and Anthony Joshua. I think that, that would be the fight for them too. 
because, you know, you've got these guys now contending for the titles. I think Joyce probably will get his opportunity, though, next year. I've just got that feeling, and I do feel that Wilder will get will do Ruiz, and then he'll put him in contention. But you know what? The, you know, the WBC can be a nightmare, can't it? I mean, how long was what, what uh, Dillian White a contender for, a number one contender with two years or something until he finally got his chance. So, um, yeah, I think Wilder potentially could get a title shot at the end of the year. It'd be a matter of... I, do you know what? I don't even think that. Like, I'm thinking end of 2023 here. I don't think that'll happen because of the timescales of things. Tyson, it depends who Tyson Fury fights after Chisora. And then um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Fury, Usyk, but that probably might not happen until the end of next year. It's, it's, it's all up and down. I think these titles are, are going to be held to ransom for a while. So that's why I think Usyk will give Joyce a chance just to give freshen it up a little bit. Yeah, well, let's see what happens. I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. I'm also not looking forward to seeing the bullshit politics which come with it, of course. And, you know, no. the stuff that gives us something to rant about on the show. So uh, I suppose <laughs> I'm looking forward to having a little bit of a bitch and a moan about stuff like that because it is quite, like, frustrating at times when we when we do get these moments where you think, why the hell are you going down this route when you could have gone down this? And that's just us as fans. Yeah. It's not us trying to be experts of any sort. It's us just genuinely being fans and wanting to see the best fights possible. So let's see what happens. It was a good comeback from him. That's the one thing that I'll say. I wasn't sure whether he'd still have that sort of mental strength and fortitude to come back and and be emphatic. And, you know, he did. He did. And and let's see where it takes him from here and what sort of fights he ends up in before it's all said and done. So that's one of the big fights from the weekend that we enjoyed covering, enjoyed watching. So we'll go to the undercard and we'll go to the Caleb Plant fight against Anthony Durrell and... My word, uh, what an end to that particular fight. Like you said earlier at the start, you know, I wasn't expecting maybe an emphatic KO from Caleb Plant there, but he certainly delivered it. And then I suppose the big talking point is not so much the KO, but his actions after the fight where he's essentially digging a grave uh, for Anthony Durrell while he's laid rendered on the floor. And obviously the referee, Kenny Bailey, sort of steams in to stop him from doing it, which was the right move, of course. I think there's a lot of... A lot of animosity between the two going into it. And I think the one thing I've read in the aftermath of these actions being taken was that Caleb Plant said he was subjected to a lot of sort of the race card moments from Anthony Durrell. He was talking about how he'll never lose to a white boy. You know, Bernard Hopkins, Joe Calzaghe comes to mind there. And he was being sort of quite racial, Anthony Durrell, in the lead up to this fight. And they were the sort of things that were said to him that wasn't really aired in public. So he felt like he had a bit of justification and maybe, you know, doing what he was doing. And I suppose it's how you interpret what he was doing in the ring. Was he saying, you know, I'm going to bury that body in a kind of Deontay Wilder style or was he kind of sort of interpret it as that's another one down and I'm ready for my next fight however you want to interpret it I suppose the actions weren't the best and it didn't look the best in my opinion I would have just rather he just celebrated normally I think emotion certainly got the better of him and I couldn't justify it even with all the whole sort of race comments that were involved in it I can't really justify that I can't sort of see you know that's the right thing to do that was just pure emotion from Kayla Plant it was pure emotion, and you know, straight after the fight, you're all, you know, geared up. You, you, you can't wait to get in the ring, and then when you finally have your battle, and you're in the midst of the battle, and and he was winning the fight comfortably, and he was landing some big shots on Darrell as well. There was one moment when Darrell sort of landed something back on him, but it was a very small part of the fight for me. It was Caleb was in complete control. I just didn't feel that 
he would find that knockout blow. And boy, was I wrong. Um, I thought if anyone was going to land a knockout blow, it might be Darrell rather than Plant. But probably those words were in the back of his mind while he's punching his face in. And, you know, when you, when you land something like that and uh, you do literally you knock the life out of him, um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because as a, as a fighter, in any sport, when your emotions are really high and your adrenaline's pumped, you do some stupid things, didn't you? It's very difficult to remain calm in those situations. Only the best can do that. And unfortunately, um, you know, he, he's looked like a bit of an ass by doing that. But saying that, I can I can understand why he would, because, you know, you're going to say shit like that to someone and then you're going to get knocked out. I think it had been a bit more of a, a better mature thing to do to just to literally put your hand up and, and just uh, accept the applause from the from the fans. But, you know, look, it, it adds to a little bit of spice to it, doesn't it? I mean, when I see it, I was like, what the hell is that all about? Because I didn't realise there was all this animosity before the fight. So, um, you know, hopefully Darrell, well, if he sticks around, that is, but hopefully Darrell might think again when he says certain things to his opponents next time because he's probably uh, pissed him off so much that he wanted, he, he found that inner strength to spark him out the way he did. Where does Caleb Plank go from here? That's the that's the next question. He's looking at the Canelo money again, isn't he? He certainly wants to take that Canelo fight again, but... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus is canelo just too good for him is is yeah. pl- could plant do something better in the next fight i, I kind of feel like Maybe Canelo had his number in that first one and uh, he'd have it in the second one and a third one and a fourth one. I think Canelo's just, at this point, overall, the better fighter than Plant. So, you know, if you're Kayla Plant's team and you're looking at really what you want to do next, you know, if you want to sort of solidify yourself as the number two in the division, who do you fight? Well, David Benavidez is, for me, the one that we said in the pre-fight show. Like, this would be the fight to, to see, really. You don't look at the super middleweight division. Caleb Plant, David Benavidez is a spicy fight. An absolute yep. spicy meatball fight, indeed, because that <laughs> would be the one that I think we'd all love to see. Again, will politics play a part in the whole thing? Absolutely, of course it will. Politics will play a part in the thing, but we can't not hope for the fact that this fight could happen because that's the only other logical fight I could see for Plant uh, to enhance his career. But then we talked we talked about John Ryder, didn't we? And, and, and obviously John Ryder's victory over Danny Jacobs and, and what that sort of led to him in terms of his trajectory and how it had, in Box Rex rankings, which are obviously not the greatest in the world, it put him right up near the top. So it's like... There's an opportunity there maybe for Caleb Plant to to certainly get some more spice behind him, obviously with, with John Ryder in there. And obviously John Ryder, 
is it the WBO interim he holds at the moment? Is that what he, he won when he beat Danny Jacobs? I can't remember off the top of my head. I just know it made him a sort of an interim champion where he was then able to actually put himself in, in a position to be able to fight in the future for a big fight. And that's why Eddie was talking about the fact that he wants to maybe get John Ryder in the ring with Canelo at some point. Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I, John Ryder, um, he's probably the only option we've got to get uh, Canelo over on these shores, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, I think he's still got his heart set on um, the the Bivol fight. Obviously, Bivol's um, a bit busy at the minute with uh, Monzo, Monzon, whatever you want to call him. Uh, what's his name? Uh, um, uh, Ramirez. Uh, Ramirez. Ramirez. What's he called himself, Dave? Mon- Mon- I can't remember that. Um, so I was just looking at to see what title was on the line for this Jacobs fight, but I can't actually see anything. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Caleb Plum Benavides for me is is the fight. And and I think what, what you are seeing a lot in this division now is guys that tend to want to have their easy wins and then just sort of wait for the opportunity to see sort of standing in line. You see, like when you're, uh, when you, when you're picking your team, um, for, on a on a on a uh, school playground, and uh, you line them all up, and you have got your two captains, and it's like Canelo's there on his own, and you got all these the, the super middleweights sort of standing, Benavides, Plant, you know, Andre, Ryder, they're all waiting. Please, please be me, please, please, hold it. <laughs> and he just picks what one he wants, um, and and that's what it's like. I think they just need to take the fucking gamble. Um, sometimes it's just just take the balls by the arm. And I think Caleb Plant, Benavides, if they get a fight, I'll make that eliminator. Winner takes, gets the opportunity to fight Canelo. And that should be that. I think I think they're the two best around. Andre's sort of pissing about that and what he's doing in the division at the minute. He's sort of fighting average fighters and then just not fighting them. Um, it's even worse. Um, yeah, so uh, I'd say Benavides Plant for me all day. But then Ryder is an outside opportunity. Um, so, yeah, I, look, I, Plant's got a couple of choices there. Either Ryder or Benavides. I think me and you, and I'm sure many others, would prefer to see Benavides. Yeah, we'd prefer to see it. I mean, I look. I just checked, double checked on Boxrec actually. Well, you've been talking there. And for some reason, I felt like he'd won some sort of interim uh, WBO or WBA title. He didn't actually win anything in that fight. He doesn't actually hold anything technically. I just remember him being ranked quite highly in one of the governing bodies. So much so that it sort of put him in line potentially for a shot at Canelo. And I think that's what I remember that being said in the aftermath of him beating Danny Jacobs and getting that victory. That that's what Eddie Hearn wanted to do. He's trying to get Canelo over here again. It is. It's a logical thing to potentially happen. Uh, Caleb Plant, John Ryder is a possibility. We'd like to see Benavides instead. I think that's we're solidified in that Definitely. sort of opinion. That's what we'd prefer to see. But we'll see what happens in, in the aftermath of it all. I think one other interesting thing about this card and, and a result that I wouldn't say completely surprised me, but I went with the wrong pick this week in terms of our prediction league that we're in Johnston. And I actually went yep. for Gary Antonio Russell to beat Emmanuel Rodriguez, but he actually lost on a technical decision due to the headbutt suffered by Rodriguez that landed a cut, which then went to the cards after it was stopped. And it actually went in favour of Rodriguez, which was... Uh, I, it wasn't quite surprising in the sense that, you know, he was winning the fight, Rodriguez, in my opinion. I think I was just expecting Russell being the undefeated fighter and obviously Rodriguez having lost two on his record and, and knowing that there are vulnerabilities with him I thought maybe Russell would actually take advantage of it and it seemed like he was much more frustrated than anything in that fight yeah you're right um, I mean um, Rodriguez is probably the, probably the second third best in the division I think Russell was the guy that 
you know, has got a lot about him. He, I think in his last few performances, we were raving about him. We were really impressed with his performances. And and he's sort of, by by doing so and, and looking at Rodriguez and seeing the knockout of Anua, like Nua knocking him out, it, it seemed like, and in another defeat, it, it, he sort of, that, that knockout sort of taking it out of him. I think he's regrouped and he's come back. And, you know, he was a star in the making before the Anua knockout. He really has got great boxing skills. And he showed that and proved that against Russell. Russell struggled with it. Obviously, there's the cut and then obviously it goes to the cards. And but Rodriguez was winning the fight. You would potentially see a rematch. But that was a real 50-50, wasn't it? It could have gone either way. I mean, I think I went Russell by a split decision myself. I, I felt that it was it was going to be very tight. So um, it, could, it is. But I think Rodriguez just demonstrated that he is probably the second best in this division at the minute. Just the fact is, it's just he's, he's unfortunate to be in with one of the worst guys you could ever be in, Vanue. <laughs> no matter what division that guy's in, you're like, oh, can you just piss off, please, and let me win a title? Just move up in weight or something. And and poor Paul Butler, I think, is going <laughs> to... I, I, I don't even want to think about poor Paul, but poor Paul Butler. Um, oh, bless him. I mean, he's got some bollocks, mate. I'm telling you that now, to be fighting the monster. He certainly got some big, big cojones, oh, uh, and, and cojones. probably, probably a good payday as well. Because I think True. Paul's, Paul's going to have a bit of a terrible night against uh, against Mister Anyway, and and I think that's a given from most people's perspective as well. So anyway, just as a side note for this card, then heavyweight prospect, heavyweight contender Frank Sanchez got a TKO in round number nine against Carlos Negron. He continues to move up the heavyweight rankings, and someone pointed it out this weekend, and uh, it was on social media and they put a picture of Frank Sanchez on and they said uh, he looks like he's about to sing my mind's telling me no but my body's telling me yes <laughs> and I didn't realize the similarities with a certain Mr. R. Kelly that was pointed out which is uh, not good for good old Frank Sanchez because he seems oh, a no. pretty stand-up guy and given the monster that R. Kelly's turned out to be you know it's not the greatest of comparisons in the world but yeah I think now I pointed out maybe you can't unsee it so just go and look at a picture of Frank Sanchez and R. Kelly and maybe you're not you might not be able to unsee that particular image of, of Frank Sanchez now. So I'm sorry if Frank ever, ever listens, which he probably won't. I apologise because um, it's not the greatest of comparisons. But it wasn't my comparison. Somebody else did this on social media. So go and find them and blame them for it. So and that's that card then, Johnston. That's uh, one yep. one decent card, one decent set of fights that we enjoyed this weekend. And i like to move over to the all-female card now and talk about the two big fights on that particular card. Firstly, Michaela Mayer losing a split decision to Alicia Baumgardner, which has proved not so much controversial in some people's eyes, but a lot of people, including myself, I thought that Mayer had done enough to, to win this fight. I thought she controlled the pace of the fight, the distance of the fight. I thought she effectively landed more i mean i've not seen the punch stats i mean i don't know if Baumgartner landed more i've not checked that prior to recording this but what i saw on the night and i've only seen it the once was that i saw for for large parts of it michaela mayer controlling the distance of that fight controlling center ring using her physical advantages and and peppering away with them shots i'm not denying that Baumgartner had her successes in the fights and some of the punches looked heavier when they landed but I wasn't sure if it was enough because it was only in short spurts throughout the course of the fight. So that's kind of why I felt Michaela Mayer won this fight. But the judges saw it a different way. The judges actually saw it to Alicia Baumgartner. And what made me laugh is 
I was watching this with my wife and she watched it with me and she kind of felt that maybe Michaela Mayer had won it as well. And then when I heard who the judges were and I heard Terry O'Connor was one of the judges, I thought, oh, well, he's going to completely go a wide decision to bound Gardner. But actually, yeah, he had it very similar to how I thought it would be, which was a 97-93 card to Michaela Mayer. I thought she'd won it by three or four rounds. But there's a lot of other people that are within boxing media felt Bam Gardner had done enough throughout some of them rounds to actually win that fight quite closely. So I suppose my question to you is, who won it in your eyes? Was it the right decision? And what do you think needs to happen now? I think if we'd done uh, averages and percentages and you put a poll out as to... Mayo and Bam Gardner, who won that fight? I'm telling you now, 70% are going to go Mayo. Um, you do get the odd 30% that believe Bam Gardner. Look, not for me. I, I think Bam Gardner, I thought she started very well. I thought she took the first two rounds. I thought she looked really comfortable. I thought she boxed well. And I thought at that point, May is, uh, she needs to switch it up a little bit. And then she put the pressure on. She literally, from the third round all the way up to the sixth, she put the pressure on. Uh, she won four, five, six, and seven for me, actually. And then Bam Gardner, came back again and I had it four each after eight and that was how close it was and I felt that Maya won those last two rounds so that's the reason why I think Maya won it by a couple of rounds there were a, you know it, it's debatable isn't it I mean the, the biggest question is it's something we mentioned in our uh, in our show and we done a, 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 a review on uh, the fight initially the, the first cancelled one and we highlighted the fact that these rounds are two minutes it's just too short it is difficult to judge close fights in two-minute rounds. But I still feel that Maya won it. I think Bam Gardner would have been lucky to get a draw. She didn't win the fight. I think people need to look back on that. I don't see how she won that fight. Honestly, I, I think Maya, she she adjusted herself and she put the pressure on Bam Gardner, pushed her back. And then for literally, as I say, for majority of the fight, I think she was on the back foot trying to throw odd shots she started really well as I say the first two rounds came back again but um yeah I, I just don't see how Bam Gardner won that fight I think Maya won the fight by two three rounds but yeah I think there needs to be a discussion about these fights in particular these very close fights to make them keep them at 10 rounds we're making three minutes Sean yeah again it all boils down to that medical study doesn't it and if that medical study suggests that they're more likely to suffer longer term injuries as a result of sustained punishment over a longer period of time then that's essentially why the the medical professionals are saying no to it so unless that stance changes and they can actually get some evidence based information that will back up the justification to change it to three minute rounds and maybe still keep it over 10 then great because yeah it would change fights dramatically because then you would see how people pace the fights differently and I think that's what makes a difference how Baumgardner set off this fight and how Mayer then took control and how Baumgardner came back and, and how it was a, a close-knit affair but still I felt like the, the quality work came over the course, over the duration of the fight, came from Maya. So that's why I had her yeah. winning. Uh, the fact that Bam Carter said absolutely no to a rematch made me laugh in the post-fight interview. She's like, <laughs> I ain't giving that girl no rematch. And I was like, okay, but I'm pretty sure if there's a clause in it, that maybe, that maybe that's got to happen. So we'll see. We'll see whether anything comes of it. I feel for Mayer, it's not the most controversial decision I've ever seen in terms of, I think, Catterall Taylor still trumps that for me quite recently oh, as the the, wor the worst one I've ever seen recently. Yeah. But this wasn't the worst. It was a highly competitive fight. Uh, I personally scored it one way. Some people scored it the other way. 
it, it needs to run back. Simple as that. They need to run that fight back and, and get a definitive winner to, to silence any doubters and silence anyone as to how that fight originally played out. That would be my preview, you know, preferred opinion on this matter would be to see that match again and, and see these two ladies yeah. fight again for the titles because I think it's deserved. However, let's see what happens. Let's see if Bam Gardner actually goes on to get the unification, undisputed unification fight, whether she'll get it and whether Mayer will move up because there's talk about did she struggle at the weight? There's a lot of talk of that going into the fight. So, yeah, I know you mentioned it there. So, will she just decide to call it quits and move up a division? Well, let's see. Let's see what happens. But prefer it by... Just, just jumping in, I think she did say Choi. She said once she's dealt with Bangarn, yep. she's going to fight Choi and then fight Katie Taylor. That was a, a sort of next couple of fights. And obviously the Choi fight's not going to happen for her now. But she has been struggling at the weight. She was going to have one more fight at this weight. If Bam Gardner goes Choi, I think she's moving up, mate. I think so. I think that would be probably more likely to be the scenario. Although I'd like to see the rematch. Again, just my personal preference. I'd love to see it again, but I think it could run that way, like you're saying there. Uh, So let's talk about the big event, the big main event, Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall. And what a hell of a fight that turned out to be. That was on the same level as Serrano Taylor earlier this year. It was absolutely fantastic. And it was really back and forth throughout the course of the fight. And I don't think I anticipated it to go the way it did in terms of the the action levels the pace that was set in the fight I, I was actually pleasantly surprised to see how it turned out I think one of the, the the surprises for me was how fast Clarissa Shield started and I think it for the first couple of rounds I don't think Savannah Marshall was expecting her to come out as fast as that either because she came out like a bull in a china shop and she was throwing combinations, her speed was on point, it was evident throughout the course of the fight she was faster than Savannah Marshall but Savannah Marshall had the heavier hands which was always well known and could she slow Clarissa Shields down and I think over the course of the fight, the back end of it, you started to see where the pace that had been set had had, had, had a little bit of an effect on Shields but for the most of the fight she she. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Did so, so well. And as much as I wanted to see that cocky mouth get smashed in, uh, I was very in, in awe of, of her abilities again in the ring. And, and that's the fact that I have to I have to kind of take emotion out of it sometimes I don't like her brashness I don't like her attitude but I cannot deny how good of a fighter she is and she put everything on the line in that fight with Savannah Marshall and props to Marshall for doing exactly the same and making it such a highly competitive fight it went the right way there was no arguments about the decision absolutely no arguments that Clarissa Shields won that fight as we did predict, we thought she would win the fight. And it was a case of whether Marshall would be able to get to her or not. And I think in little spells, she did. But I felt the early rounds, the the pace that was set, the it looked sort of very concerning in the first couple of rounds when, when she was clobbering Marshall. And, and some of them were bouncing off her arms. But it, from the outset, it just looked like she was absolutely clobbering her. And like you're thinking, oh my God, she could get stopped here so early on in the fight. And nobody expected 
shields really to come out so fast as she did it was it was a it was a really highly entertaining fight and again i call out to those who say the quality of women's boxing is shit that is a fight there that is just proven that it doesn't mean nothing when it comes down to genders if you can see two people get that on in the ring the skill the ability levels the heart the desire the determination is that not what you want to see out of boxing it is it's it's everything about boxing and they produce the goods it was a tremendous fight it really was all action the only difference was i felt like clarissa was really pretty much dominated that fight throughout um i found it difficult to give savannah any rounds she just she just didn't let her set herself. Savannah didn't set herself. She wouldn't allow it to happen. And she just sort of, she 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 got too close to Clarissa at times. I feel like she needed to just take a step back, have a little breather and start, you know, her punches from when I've seen her knock people out, it sort of comes at the end of those long levers. And I feel like she's swarming her work and, and Clarissa was just exploiting that by hitting her with the counters, keeping her off balance, spinning out of trouble. And just like the pace was set by Clarissa from the start and she dictated that fight. You didn't even need to score any rounds. Clarissa dominated that fight. Yes, there were moments when Savannah put a little bit of pressure on, on Clarissa, but I still feel that Shields had something left. I feel that if, if she was ever in any trouble in that fight, she would have done something and she would have adjusted herself to, to turn it around in her favour again because that's what she is. She's a very, very good fighter. She's got... She's pretty much got everything. I mean, the speed's still there. Her footwork was good. You know, there were times when she sort of does hover in the corner a little bit too much. And that was the times when I felt like Savannah may be able to get a little bit of joy. But as I say, she just needed to give herself a bit of room, Sean. I felt she got too close and she swammed her own work and she weren't able to really get any power shots off. And as you say, the speed and the timing and the counter-punching from Clarissa won her that fight. She absolutely schooled her, really. But it was a very good fight. I'm not going to, you know, Savannah, like you say, she showed great heart, great determination. But as a skill set, she was outskilled in there. Um, and the better boxer won. The boxer beat the big puncher. Um, but saying that, you know, Savannah, she could still come back. And I could see a potential rematch down the line. Um, and, and maybe a little adjustment, whether we do have a, whether it be three minutes or even two and a half minutes for for ten rounds. I mean, that's that, or two and a half minutes rate rounds or something like that. I think someone mentioned, I did see someone mention before, which ain't a bad shot. You know, just if we could just get an extra thirty seconds in these fights, I think maybe towards the end of the fight we could have seen a little bit of a burnout from Clarissa Shields. But saying that, she looked in her element, and I'm sure she probably trained three minute rounds anyway. Um, but yeah, look, it's just. I hate the fact that, you know, we really wanted Savannah to win the fight, Sean. You know, we wanted to get Clarissa to shut up a little bit. But let's face it, she showed everybody that she's a class act, isn't she? She is. And, and I'll admit, in the aftermath, when she came out and did the interview and was talking about the fight, that's when she became what I would like to see more of from her. She was a lot more humble. She was a lot more humble in, in the post-fight conferences and the 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 post-fight interviews i felt like she she you know maybe it is all bullshit and it is all bravado and it is what it is and it is very mayweather-esque and it reminds me very much of him you know all this brash trash 
shite talk in the lead up to something and it makes you want to see them get beat and maybe that's the job she's wanted to do but the fact that then she was so grateful to everyone that came out how it was a big thing for women's boxing how she was proud of it how she was proud of having savannah in the other corner to fight her a good dance partner as she called and i just thought it was nice to see that level of it at the end of it and, and you know i took a step back from it and i thought you know fair enough you've got a bit of humility about you you just don't always show it and you just don't want to show the public that perception you just want to keep that perception of what you've already got which is an absolutely outstanding fighter who's a bit of a pantomime villain and and she clearly loves to play up to that part but i've got to give it the utmost respect that was the biggest test put in front of her that was the test we thought genuinely would be the one to upset clarissa shields and she hasn't done and she's come out of it looking better uh, and looking really really outstanding and i think it's gonna take some hell of a fighter to beat her simple as that mm-hmm. absolutely and she was as a, you know i just echo that that <clears throat> she did come out and she was humble and she did um win over a few fans i feel in in, in the way she um approached the post fight um and, and her interviews then and you know look I, I still do think i think looking at the divisions I, I do feel that these these two will probably get it on again maybe in america maybe next year who knows maybe they'll have a fight another fight each and um they fight again. Why not? I mean, it was a good fight and it's good for good for boxing in general, let alone women's boxing. So we'll move on to the rest of that particular card, just highlighting a couple of fights. Caroline Dubois looked pretty good in her fight. She knocked out her opponent in five rounds, pretty much dominated her throughout the course of the fight. Looked really, really good. Great movement in and out. It was it was, it was, was a joy to watch, to be honest with you. Uh, I watched, obviously, Carrie's art install, Lauren Price's fights. managed to catch them as well. Uh, admittedly, I didn't watch any of the others. I didn't get the opportunity to because I was out. So when I got back, I tuned straight in and I managed to catch the fights that I really wanted to catch. So overall, I was sort of impressed with the quality of fights on the card. And although I haven't seen all of them, the ones that I did see, I was impressed with. And I felt like it was a good advert for boxing. And uh, it certainly you know, shown a lot of people that have a derogatory opinion towards the females fighting in the ring. I think it's shown them a little bit of what for, to be honest with you. Although I suppose if they're in that mentality, they're probably never going to change it. So even they could see the greatest women's fight of all time and they'll still say it was crap. <laughs> but for me, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a it was a good card. It was a good show. Figures have been announced that apparently 2 million people tuned into that, which I thought was uh, pretty good numbers, to be honest with you. And I mean, it just goes to show you that the numbers are increasing and the quality of the fights uh, are going alongside it as well to match and I think as time goes on you continue to see this rise and you will get to see more of these types of all-female cards with high quality fights on them it's, it's bound to happen again the success of this will certainly put the the money spinner on the promoters and think well actually yeah we could do this again and it will actually make something on it so overall impressed Johnston with it yourself yeah <clears throat> yeah I was I was definitely impressed with the, with the main two I mean um I think uh, Lauren Price. Um, there was a bit of an early, st- a silly stoppage in there. I didn't, I didn't like that. Um, but all in all, look, you know, for for the for what it was, I thought it was really good. And I, you know, I did. I mean, I'm not like a Spice Girls fan or anything, but I thought that was quite a nice touch from uh, Maya coming out with the Spice Girls because you know, um, with it being an all girls card kind of thing, uh, girl power and all that, um, quite funny. And um, the one other thing I did notice was uh, Clarissa Shields' entrance. I don't know what the hell that was. Did you see the cheerleading start dancing? Yep. I don't know. I've yep. never seen that one before. That was a new one on me. Uh, but look, it all adds to it. Um, but all in all, look, I'm 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 pleased with the card. I'm pleased with the main two events. Pity about the decision. I think Bam Gardner got booed quite often at the end of it. And the fact she wants to take a rematch is an open air. But uh, look, it, it was a good night. And there are, that is 
better than a lot of men's cards. So um, for those that want to hate on it, that's fine. But for us, I feel that, you know, there's been some shocking all men cards. So, um, yeah, good night. So move over to Sunday in Australia. Sunday the 16th of October. Devin Hayner, George Cambosis Jr., the rematch. Repeat our revenge. It was repeat and a lot more emphatically this time. Although it went to the cards and we said if it went to the cards, would there be any issues with it? Well, Devin Haney left absolutely nothing to doubt in this fight. He completely, in my eyes, he bossed George Cambosis Jr. He absolutely shown why he is the elite level fighter that people have been touting him to be for such a long time. And it was nice to see him just leave nothing to doubt in this fight. So twice he's been to Australia, twice he's come out the victor, and he left nothing to doubt. There was absolutely no way this time round that a judge could even score it anywhere near a draw. Devin Haney was just sublime in this fight. The punch stat says it all as well. I think he's like doubled the amount of punches thrown and even landed. And it just goes to show you that, you know, Devin Haney is is, is ultimately, you know, the conqueror of this division. And the, again, the question sort of remains whether he will move up because people were saying it looked shocking on the scales uh, in, in the pre-fight build-up to it. And, you know, I tend to agree with him. But will he move up, Johnston? Will he stay in this division? And what did you think of that performance? We, we mentioned the cards. I mean, the fact that there was a dodge, couple of dodgy ones, weren't there, in their first match, and we sort of thought, God, he's going to have to be more conclusive in his victory, and boy, was he. He didn't just boss him, he banged him up. He literally banged him up. That's the only expression I could put it at. He could put in a boxing clinic, and he, he, he adjusted himself well at times. I mean, the one thing, I don't always uh, compliment commentators, but the commentators on there mentioned uh, that, that Cambosis kept sort of changing his stance, which is how I noticed, and and every time he did it, um, ha- obviously trying to do something different from the first fight, you know, clearly you want to try and do these things, but it it was a appalling. Um, every time he tried it, Haney just kept landing. Every time, counter counter shots, beautiful left hands, right hands, good judge of distances. Oh, he, he he literally give him a clinic. Um, and uh, if anyone had any real doubts about that first victory, then he he surely put them to bed and. And look, he, oh, both of them look terrible in the weigh-in. Um, clearly, both struggling. I think it's probably time for the pair of them to move up. I would, you know, I, w- I wouldn't want Haney to move up, literally, because of the fact that there are so many good fights in this division. But he can still have those. I think um, Davis. I would love to see him against Javante Davis. I really would love to see that fight. I, I've just, you know, that is the fight for me. I, I think I would, I would literally love to see that. That would be a great fight. Saying that, uh, Tiafoe Lopez is a, pen, is a potential fight in the upper division as well. Um, Josh Taylor, once he's done, once he's fought Catterall, I mean, what's going to happen between them two? Either they're going to stick around. So that's, a, you know, if he moves out, he's got those two names in the division as well. I just feel that, yeah, I, he has to move up. I think, look, it's, it's, it's inevitable. When you, when you grow into your man's strength, you need to move up. You can't keep draining yourself like the way you are and, and eventually you're going to become a cropper, especially against some of the talent in this division. So I, I, I feel that he will probably move up. He may have one more 
defence. But to be honest with you, Sean, I think he moves up. But I still think those fights there. For me, I'd love to see Davis. That's the fight for me. Haney Davis. I don't know about you, mate. What do you reckon? Yeah, 100%. I think that's the fight that needs to happen. I think it really, really needs to happen. And I hope it happens. But I still think there's the potential for that to happen at 140 anyway. So Exactly. I I don't think that's out of the question. So even if it wasn't in the 135 division and he moved up, that fight could happen because, you know, Davis in particular has fought up at that weight before. So, you know, I think there's there's no issue with, with the weight aspects of it. I think it's probably better if they do it at a more healthier weight where they're not struggling to make it. And it'll make it more of a of a fair fight, to be honest with you. People can't then go, oh, well, he was struggling with the weight or he was missing weight or whatever sort of excuses come out of the whole of it. At least if we got an evenly matched fight at the same weight where they've both grew into that way and they're both naturally at that way and then why not why can that not happen in terms of defending at 135 I mean what else do you want to see him do at 135 do you want to see him fight the returning Lomachenko there's a good possibility to pit you know Will against Will there I think that'd be an interesting fight you know Lomachenko obviously is due back in the ring soon so I think that would be interesting to see that potential fight happen or or maybe even you know a Ryan Garcia fight at 135 but again a lot of these fighters that are at that age where I think it's not going to be long before most of them move up to 140 anyway and then the 135 division that's been so littered with talent then changes to the 140 division and we get all the talent up there at 140 and I think that would be a more interesting prospect for me than than seeing them struggle at 135 and you know seeing the excuses kind of come out of the back of that so I'd like to see it at 140 interesting to see what he does next but overall great performance and and really sort of solidified himself as the man to beat in this division now and it was good to see him do that so all props to Devin Haney for that performance Uh, on the undercard the two Maloney brothers still going strong both got victories on there both pushing in their own directive for title shots in the future so it was good to see them back in the ring nice characters interviewed Jason I think it was or maybe even Andrew I can't even remember I interviewed one of them about two years ago and and you know the the, the nice nice men and their manager Tony Tolge he's, he's been a friend of this show for some time and you know he's always talking about like his plans for the future so it'll be it'll be nice to see where he decides to take them going forward in the future so Finally, I'm just going to go to the final part of, of obviously what we've not covered. Jazza Dickens and that title fight against Dilmani. I think a lot of people felt he lost that fight, but he won on the cards. What did you make of James Jazza Dickens getting a little bit of a gift decision there? Yeah, um, to be honest, I've only seen bits and bobs of it. I haven't sat down and watched the whole fight. Um, just couldn't really get the time to do it. But from you know what, from the bits I've seen and and from what I've I've sort of read and heard, um, I feel that he probably just about got away with that. Well, you know, I wouldn't say again it's not a clear robbery, but it looks like it sort of went the home way. Um, but end of the day, he picked up a, an IBO world title, his third attempt as well, isn't it, at a world title fight? And I believe he's uh, he's calling out Lee Wood because obviously he beat Lee Wood, didn't he, previously? So uh, he, he feels like he's got him mentally, and he says. Uh, he wants that fight. Um, whether or not that happens, we'll have to see. But um, yeah, I mean, good. He's at, you know good for Jazza. He got the IBO title, so I suppose third time lucky for him. Yeah, third time lucky for him. I think um, I'm not going to begrudge him of winning the fight because I think he's he's a good guy for the sport. He does a lot of good for the sport. Uh, I just think he's a, a bit of a filled on you know unfulfilled potential. Uh, I think I'm not sure whether. 
you know, he'll be able to fulfill that now. I think he's, he's sort of getting into the more twilight years of his career. I think people might disagree with me, especially those scousers that absolutely love Jada Dickens won't, <laughs> won't agree with me whatsoever on that. I think he, he I don't think you're going to get any more than what we're going to get out of him. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't think you're going to get much more out of him in terms of his level. I think if he could get a good fight defending the IBO title and get paid well for it, then I'd be happy to see him ride off into the sunset eventually and continue to do the work he does outside of the ring. So, you know, fair play to him. The two McGrail brothers got their victories on the undercard of that as well. So it all in all was a great weekend for actual action happening in the ring. And it kind of took away the bullshit of the previous weekend with the whole Ben and Eubank situation. And, and obviously that's still going on and we'll wait to see what comes of that. And I'm pretty sure there'll be another small reaction show to follow once we know a little bit more about what's going on there. But you know, I wanted to go forward and look at what was going on next weekend, Johnston, because there isn't anything major, so we're actually not going to do like a big fight preview for for this coming weekend because I didn't really feel there was any justification for it. Like, you know, we could do individual fights and talk about a couple of individual fights. Like, there's a couple that stick out in mind to me for next weekend, and that's uh, Hyun Mi Choi, the WBA super featherweight champion. This is the same Mi Choi that holds the other belt in the division which Mayer and Baumgardner just competed for all the other marbles of the division so it'll be interesting if you want to see how she gets on and whether or not she then calls out Baumgardner or whether she has any actual you know different intentions within that particular division so I know that's happening on Wednesday so there's a potential fight for you guys to watch there on Wednesday Mauricio Lara who was supposed to be fighting Lee Wood a couple of weeks ago is fighting and he's back in his home country and he's fighting also this weekend as well. And I think they're the major two names that are quite current at the moment that people are following across the board in boxing. But Antonio Tava Jr. is fighting this weekend. Kenzie Morrison, son of Tommy Morrison, is back in action this weekend over in America. So there are a couple of names, so to speak, that are actually fighting this weekend. But to be honest, there's nothing major. So we're not going to cover anything major this week unless something major happens in the sport. And of course, if it does which it usually does, then we'll be back with another little episode to cover off whatever that may be. It might be Fury versus Chisora 3 gets announced and we get a nice little episode to talk about how much of a, a crap show that's going to be and how much of a, of a, of a piss-poor fight that it's going to be. <laughs> so I think maybe if something like that happens, we'll, uh, we'll do another little show this week. But other than that... Just go and check out all our other stuff as usual, all our other series-based content. We've just released the latest career profile on Prince Nazim Hamed. Please go and check that out. It was a, a really enlightening episode for us, but also a little bit of a sad affair as well. So if you want to hear all about Prince Nazim's life and times, please go and listen to that on our Career Profiles podcast, or you can find it on the BTR main feed or on the YouTube channel. It's all available on there. And that's it, Johnston. Thank you, as always, to yourself for providing great insight, great opinions. And for everybody else, thank you for listening. Thank you for following. Make sure you subscribe to us on any available podcasting app. It could be Apple, it could be Google, it could be Spotify. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Just search BTR Boxing Podcast. You'll get all the available podcasts. And if you've not subscribed to the YouTube channel, keep doing it. Everybody that's not already done it, just go and click subscribe. Finally, a a big shout out to the patrons of the podcast. Thank you, as always, for supporting us. And a big shout out to Streatham Sketch, 
who's actually called Lee. He actually messaged the Patreon page to tell us his name was Lee. So I'm just going to give you a big shout out, Lee, because you decided to let us know what your real name was. And it's always nice to address you by your real name. So a big shout out to you in particular and to the rest of the patrons. You will be getting another patron-only episode soon in our Boxing Through the Decade series. So please keep your eyes peeled for that as it will be coming very shortly. Thank you as always then for listening to us on BTR Boxing Podcast and we'll see you soon for another episode. The dream is made real! Ricky Hatton rocks the world! How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over! Mamma mia! He's done it! Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko! Uh... Podcast Network.